and thank you for tuning in to Faith Worship Center's weekly sermon. We hope you are inspired and encouraged by this week's message as we all live to bring more of heaven to earth. Angela was part of one of our first families when we started the church, Jeff and Peggy Moore. And um, I remember doing a mass dedication for all their kids in the community center. And Angela was, Angela was in that mass baby dedication. And uh, just to see her on fire like that this morning, I'm telling you what, she shared with us her vision and what she saw. And we just said, we, we, we got we to gotta incorporate this to the church. I don't know how many of you heard it because the music was up uh, kind of louder than she was, but the COVID pants. Did you hear COVID? Take, take off your COVID pants. Did you hear that? When she, when she said that to me, I just went, oh, my gosh, that is so prophetic. I cannot even believe how prophetic that is because I felt something change in me. You didn't? I did. I knew that God was speaking a message through this, this young lady that was so important. And it was important for all of us to hear. Take off your COVID pants. And after she said it, I thought, you mean COVID diapers? That's kind of what it felt like, constrained. So I want to release that over this house today. Um, it's been released. I mean, I mean, we had the fire tunnel and everything, and we were just praying blessing for you guys. But there's, there's some things that... Um, I've been, I've been reading a book uh, by Steve Backlund, which Steve is just such an amazing author. I don't know how many books he's written at this point. But this book was being fully, it's called Fully Convinced. It's his latest book, and I believe it's one of his best books that he's ever put out. And uh, if you can get your hands on it through Amazon or wherever, get a hold of it and start, start reading it. It's just such an exciting book. And as I've been reading it, I've been, uh, several things within me are being exposed which is a good thing, right? It's a good, it's a good thing to have things, th- thoughts and beliefs that just aren't quite right. You think they are, but they're really not, you know, and it's a good thing to have them exposed. And I think that uh, in reading this book, there are a lot of my, my um, I shouldn't say a lot, some of my thought structures have become beliefs in me which have hindered me from receiving the fullness of God in my life. Now, look, I'm going to ask you guys for help today, okay? You, you can't make me feel all alone up here. It's all of us. It's, it's, it's all of us, right? We, we, have, these, we have these ideas that, that they're like thoughts and they come to us. And so I've been reading this book, and I'm going to share, um, share some things out of his book. But before I do that, I want to go ahead and, and unpack something that I have um, been unpacking for years. Like when Serena said 35 years it's like, holy smokes, that's a long time. That's like, that's 35 years. It's like, wow, that's a track record, right? And um, Lynn and I were talking about it, and we're not alone. It seems like there's a lot of, um, I, I think that there are a lot of ministers that in the time of renewal, when renewal first broke out in the very early 90s, late 80s, early 90s, um, a lot of the ministers that got, impacted by the spirit and the presence of the Lord in that move are still in ministry today, which to me is significant. And so um, I'm, I'm going to be sharing a couple of things, but the first thing I want to, the first thing I want to uh, talk about is fleas. 
That's right, fleas. Those little critters that walk around on animals. Fleas, right? Um, they say that if you put, if you put um, fleas in a jar, I've got them ringing up here, Sheldon. Is that, can that be controlled a little bit? If you put fleas in a jar with a lid on it, they will try to jump out, and they'll hit their head on the lid. And the longer they stay in that jar with the lid on it, they'll learn how to jump as high as they can without hitting the lid. So they'll like go to the measure where it's safe, where they have experienced. If this is a safe measure. We're not going to hurt our heads if we go any higher than this. You can take the lid off, and they'll still jump to that safe measure. I don't know if you know where this is going, but this is going somewhere really good. They also say about elephants. In India, they discovered, elephant trainers discovered in India that when an elephant was a baby, they could chain their ankle to a a three-foot peg in the ground. And the elephant will learn he can only go as far as the chain will let him go. And they they leave him attached to that chain for an, an indefinite amount of time. And then when he gets older, here's an elephant that can pull a train, probably pull a house. That's how strong they are, a mature elephant. But he will still believe that that chain and three-foot pull is only going to allow him to go a certain distance, even though he could easily pull that chain and pull right up. And this, to me, spells something so significant in our lives as people, but particularly in our lives as believers. Because I I really feel this about being a believer for a certain amount of time. I've met a lot of believers over a certain amount of time. That something inside of us gets, like, discombobulated. And we believe, but we no longer believe. We believe to a certain level of safe. But we've taken risks beyond uh, our level of faith, and we've hit our head on the lid a few times. Right. Some of you, thank you for the yeah. That, that's helping me out. It really is. Because it's like you, you step out in faith and you go a certain direction. And it's a risk, right? Faith is spelt risk. So you take a, you take a risk. You go a certain, you, you believe for someone's healing. You lay hands on them. We believe for our daughter's healing back in 1995. We laid hands on her. She was in the hospital dying. We laid hands on her. When she died, four hours later, we laid hands on her and believed for a resurrection. We were so desperate to have our little girl back that we believed for her resurrection, and the resurrection didn't come. Okay, that's called hitting the lid. It was tempting for us to say, I'm not going that high anymore. That was too painful. That just hurt too much. But we couldn't let go of what God declares. You will lay your hands upon the sick You will cast out demons, you will speak in tongues, and you will raise the dead. And we had to take that truth and elevate it above our safety zone. Means we take a risk again, right? So you take a risk, and you keep taking risk, 
And you keep going after this thing. We, I can't count the times I've prayed for people to be healed, and they didn't get healed. In many cases, when we first started pursuing this, they got worse. You know, how many of you know that's not a lot of encouragement when you pray for someone that, that's like needing a healing? They're, they're desperate for a healing. They want to get healed, you know, and you're, you're wanting them to get healed, and you're laying hands on them and praying for them, and it doesn't happen. Right? And it's like you want, you want to stay in the safe zone. You want to change your prayers. Well, we sure hope God heals you. You know, you want, to, you want to change the way you're going after this. It's not so risky for you, right? That way you don't have an egg on your face if it doesn't happen. And it's like this thing, this lid that has been put on us fleas, has tricked us. It has deceived us not to be the people that we were destined and created to be. Not to be the people that Jesus said we would be. When he looked at his followers who were fishermen and lawyers and and just simple, common folk. Not well educated. Not elites in the society. And he looks at them and he tells them, greater things shall you do because I'm going to the Father. Taking off the lid. And it was up to them to go beyond their safe measure. So they're in the boat, and they see Jesus walking on the water. They're freaked out. They're scared. Here he comes walking on the water. They think he's a ghost. And they're afraid, and they yell out. And he says, don't be afraid. It is I. And Peter says this, right? Here goes Peter. He's going to jump beyond that level. He might whack his head on the lid, but he's going to go for it. Lord, if it's you, tell me to come. And he gets out of the boat and he walks on water. Why? Because he believed. Because he believed when Jesus said come, it was an invitation to come. And he's the son of God. He's the one who created the universe. And if anyone knows that When the creator of the universe gives you an invitation to come, you get to come. And we've gotten an invitation, you guys. And I tell you, this lid has deceived us. We've whacked our head on it multiple times. Some of us have been believing for things for years. You you have had hopes. You you know, maybe it's that your, your kids would come back to the Lord. Maybe it's that your relationship would be restored. Maybe it's that things would, would be so different in your finances that you'd finally be able to take the stress off of, of wondering how you're going to pay your next bill. Okay? And, and these lids, if you live with those kind of lids for a certain amount of time, to expect to go beyond that is very difficult. And there has to be something so much in us, a belief so strong in us that we just say, I am fully convinced in what I believe. Fully convinced in what I believe. Not partially convinced, fully convinced. Mark chapter 6, verse 1 says, Then they went out from there, and they came to his own country. And Jesus' disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. 
And many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is which is given to him? That such mighty works are performed by his hands. Is this not the carpenter's son of Mary? And the brother of James? And Joseph? And Judas? And Simon? I mean, you understand, Jesus had more, more kids. He had, he, had more, he had siblings. And are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him, but Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and his own house. Now he could not do mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. God's plan for his hometown was to be a revival center of healing. I firmly believe this. That his plan, he, he puts Jesus in his hometown. He, he puts them geographically located in his hometown, the son of God, the healer, the creator of the universe, the one who calls sickness as being no more, the one who opens blind eyes, the one who causes the lame to walk, the one who offends all the Pharisees when he says, your sins are forgiven to the paralytic. And the Pharisees were so offended at this comment, they said that he blasphemed. This is blasphemous. And Jesus said, isn't it easier to say your sins are forgiven? Than it is to get up and walk, but so you might know that I'm the Son of God. He looks at the paralytic and says, In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. He doesn't say in the name of Jesus, but he says, Just get up and walk. Right? I think about the hometown people. I, I just really pondering Jesus' hometown. His, uh, this translation says country, his own country. But the whole region, basically, all right? How did this. How did this doubt that was in their hearts start? How did it start? How did it begin? Was it a certain person? Was it someone who just said, you know what? He's the son of, he's the son of Joseph and Mary, man. His brothers are living with us. They're right among us. This guy is just a, he's just a man. That thought, that doubt, created a lid for his town. It created a lid. Somehow, it stopped and prevented the plan of God coming to that town. Because of the doubts that they entertained, because of the thoughts that they entertained, because... The community was saying the same thing. They were grumbling about Jesus. They were mumbling about this and mumbling about that. And I got to thinking about this, and it's like, you know what? This, uh, I don't know, community has a destiny and has a prophecy to be a revival center, to be a healing center, to be a people of God who would bring heaven to earth, who would live their lives in their workplaces, in the marketplace, wherever they go, to live their lives so that this earth begins to look like heaven. This community right here, Faith Worship Center, has that for a vision. 
And who has lied to put a lid? Who? How did it start? It's the same scenario that happened in Jesus' hometown. How did it start? How, how did it begin? In this community, I'm talking this present community right now. How did the thought grow from a little statement into a belief system that would try to contaminate all of our hearts? How's that happen? Small, big? You know, I, I, I have a feeling that if we could identify the devil so clearly and so accurately, I mean, if the devil... If the devil showed up to you and he had a grotesque face with fangs and horns on his head, you would know that's the devil. But when he shows up with a little comment and a little doubt that's putting a cap on your life, you just think it's your thought. But these thoughts have to be challenged. Angela gets up and she says, take off your COVID pants. It's a cute saying, okay? But there's so much power in that saying to say, wake up. Whatever, has, whatever thought has tried to interfere, whatever series of thoughts or comments or anything that has tried to penetrate into this church community to hinder us, to think that we have a lid and we play it safe so we don't bang our heads anymore, it's time to take it off. I feel this is such a strong word for this church. I, I just feel like, you know what, you guys, this is you. And this is me. And the lid has to come off. It's you, and it's me. And God is giving us an opportunity to see this. Jeff Moore. I've known Jeff Moore for 35 years. More, actually, more than that. We knew him when we went to Lemister Assembly. Jeff Moore, a guy, of, a hardworking guy, just faithful, puts his hand to the plow and just works to provide for his family, and he's done this for years. For him to tell his wife, the Lord told me I'm sleeping, I need to wake up. I just, wow. Some of us have been sleeping. Some of us have been sleeping. Some of us have been sleeping. Myself? Is it just me? Is it just you? It's some of us. It's a community. Believing a certain amount of things that would cause us a doubt and cause us not to, be, to go beyond the safe zone. But let me tell you, God has taken off the lid. We're going up. We're not going to bang our heads. And if we do, we keep going up. When we first got this with healing. We just kept, you know, I would, I would pray for the sick, and I got, I got really tired of praying for the sick and not seeing them recover, and I just took it to God and said, look, you, your word says this. And he says, what does it say? And he he says, I'll lay hands on the sick, and the sick will recover. It's not a might. It's not a maybe. It's not on occasions. It's not if I'm in a good mood, they'll recover. It will recover. And I remember looking at my hand at the moment he said that. I began to look at my hand. I said, wow, these hands have power in them. 
He has actually empowered a certain member of our bodies to fulfill his dreams and his desire for earth. That we will lay our hands upon the sick and the sick will recover. How many of you have laid your hands on the sick and they haven't recovered? Come on and get your hands up. I want to see your hands because if you, if you don't raise your hand, it means you're not praying for the sick at all. <laughs> Disappointment, hurt, confusion. Some of them are, are people that we love. My sister just recently passed away. People from all around the world were praying for her healing. All around the world. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people. I don't know if you follow them at all, but my, my sister would get, she'd make a post on Facebook about her garden or something like that. She'd have 25,000 likes. And I'm looking at my Facebook three likes. It's like, holy smokes, man, my sister, a revolutionary in the area of intercessor, happy intercessor. She broke through it. Uh, she broke through a wall where people were believing the intercession had to be so heavy and so hard and so burdensome that only a few select people actually wanted to go there because someone had put the lid on intercession to such an extent. And she just pops the lid off and say, no, God wants us happy. He wants intercessors to be joyful. He wants believers to be joyful. What's taking your joy? What's taking my joy? It's some kind of a thought that snuck in. If it had fangs and horns on it, we'd immediately begin to identify, but it doesn't. It sounds like our own thinking. Could you imagine with me like I could sing the John sing the John Lennon song. Imagine. It's like you want to change the words of that song, right? Just imagine there's a heaven. Imagine that Jesus said, We can pray and ask the Father to come and bring his kingdom. Here to earth as it is in heaven. Imagine, because it's probably too hard to believe at this point. A a lot of Christians have settled into the idea that the end has come. It's the end of the world. It's all over. The trumpet's going to sound at any point in time because we are beyond repair. And if Jesus were here in the flesh today standing, he would say, you are not beyond repair. Ask of your father to change this earth to become like heaven. Because that was his message. And it's still his message. It hasn't changed. And we've got all these honking experiences, right? And we've got all these testimonies. And what would you rather have? The honking experiences or the great testimonies? And keep believing. Don't give up. Don't stop. Don't quit. Faith comes by hearing, and unfortunately, doubt does too. And we're in between, as believers, we're in between, we're called to believe. 
And that's the message that we hear. Believe. Whosoever believes on me shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Believe. Right? We're called to believe. There's someone that wants us to doubt. It's a common story seen throughout Scripture where an entire community believed certain thoughts and had a certain system of belief that prevented them from going into the destiny of God. Entire community. And two men, Joshua and Caleb, stood up and said, no, if God promised that we can get the promised land, we can get the promised land. Rise up, people. Wake up, people. Take off your COVID pants and take the ground that belongs to you. And in that moment in time where Joshua and Caleb are standing there and declaring to the community the plans and purposes of God, that God would not have promised something they could not have, that God wouldn't have just teased them with the promised land and told them all this great thing about the promised land, but then realized that they were never going to take it anyway. That's not him. That's not his nature. If he says something, he means it. If he makes a declaration that we can have something, he means we can have something. And for myself, I just feel like for myself in these recent days, it's like, you dummy, what the heck have you been thinking? When I stood up here like three weeks ago and said, I felt like five years ago, our church has been a target of witchcraft. How many of you were in that meeting when I said that? Okay. And how many of you said, oh, that makes sense. I'm not dismissing that. But at the same time, I'm not going to let that become the core of my belief system. Oh, faith worship center is under a curse. Big freaking deal. I'm serious. Big deal. We're under more of a blessing than a curse. And look, when you're under a blessing, you get what the blessing brings. Because the blessing is greater than the curse. But doubt and unbelief will make you think the curse is bigger. That's why you've got so many people running around so freaked out about curses. Oh, my gosh, I'm under a curse. My life, my life, must be, my family's under a curse. My life's under a curse. My health's under a curse. I've got so many curses in my life. I don't know what to do. Man, you just wake up. Wake up and catch the scent of heaven for your life. You might, it's like Serena said about the trials. You might be having some trials. They're going to come in this life. Jesus promised them. But he also promised great blessing. And he also promised abundant life. And he also promised peace. And he also said, greater things you're going to do than I do because I'm going to the Father. And he made these promises so that we could hear them and add our faith to what he said. All things are possible to him who believes. It's the truth. And what you believe is going to be your possibility. And it works in the negative and the positive. And it's like we get to move it into the positive. We get to believe the best thing. One of the scriptures that I love the most is may you prosper in health. 
and in body and in soul. We get to prosper. It's a promise. How many can say amen to me? How many help me along here today? Dylan, come on. <laughs> I want to share something. We, we had a... We had a fun time with the guys the other day. We had a breakfast Thursday morning. We just gathered together, just a few of us, and, and it, it was just fun. We had a good fellowship time, and, and in that uh, time together, I read a few things from Steve Backlund's book, and I just want to share some of those with you, and then we're going to wrap it up today. I think, I think what I – oh, we'll see how it goes. Let's see. Steve says, here are four of my favorite quotes – And he was, he was complaining to God, a little thing. He was complaining to God. He was pastor of a small church in Nevada. He's complaining to God, you know, and he's just saying, I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not great. I can't really do anything. Look at my little church. It's like, I have this little church in Nevada nobody knows about, Round Mountain, Nevada, and I got this little church, and we're just struggling along, and everybody's got problems. And if everybody didn't have problems, I'd probably be a better pastor, but everybody's got problems, and... And they're just weighing me down. And he's getting all this discouragement thoughts going in his head, right? I've been discouraged myself with thoughts over the last few years. I, I don't know about you, but I have been, had discouraging thoughts in my head. Anybody else? Raise your hand if that's you. And if it's not you, you're probably not alive. <laughs> and he says, he was talking to God about this one day. And he said, Steve, instead of waiting to do something great, why don't you attach great faith to what you are doing now, and it will become great? I think that's enough to say amen to. And just think on it and live your life with that. Lynn and I started posting post it notes on our refrigerator, and this is the one that she posted. Instead of waiting for something great to do, attach great faith to what I'm already doing. Instead of waiting for something great to do, attach great faith to what I'm already doing, and something great will happen. Isn't that good? Here's the second one. Now this one is a really, 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 really good, challenging statement. Faithfulness is not just showing up. It's how you think when you show up. Show up full of faith. And faith is an anticipation of good things to come. Right? Why? 35 years I've been showing up. That's faithful, right? That's faithful enough. Just show up 35 years. Some mornings I'd lay, yeah, thanks, <laughs> Some mornings I'd lay in bed and I'd just lay there on an on a early Sunday morning saying, I don't even want to go in there today. I don't feel like going there today. I just don't. You know, when, when they uh, shut everything down with COVID and it's like I'm standing in front of a camera in here with only the worship team and myself and I'm, I'm looking at this camera and it's like, 
the whole time I'm like going, man, I can't attach great faith to this. And I'm just being honest. I could not attach great faith to that. I was attaching great faith to when the church would get back together again and we'd be worshiping and celebrating together as a community. That I'm attaching great faith to, but attaching great faith to a camera, something in my brain just wasn't working with that. But I suppose I could have. I suppose I could have thought, this camera is going to transmit this message and people are going to get healed. People are going to get saved. People are going to get transformed. I suppose I could have thought that, but in all honesty, I wasn't. Ah, You guys are making me feel like I'm the only person that has this kind of stuff, but I know you deal with this too. And it's like, hey, look at the person next to you because we're in this together. All of us are in this together. We're in it together. And I'm telling you, God has not forgotten you. He hasn't forgotten your name. He hasn't forgotten where you live. He hasn't forgotten your issues. He's still looking out. He's still watching. He's still hovering over you with his spirit. And the promises of God are yes and amen. And he's, he's just waiting for you to get past the lid so you can come into the cloud of glory. And for me, I'm, I'm going up. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm telling you, Angela's put a fire in my bones. The uh, Amy, right? Amy approached us. Uh, she approached us uh, recently, and she said, "I've been I've been getting this burden that, you know, I, I'd like to just call some some people together, some of the leaders together, and just begin praying on a Friday night. Just pray." So, so we said, "Great, take it, run with it." Amy headed up our intercession for years of this church. Amazing. Amazing girl, but she, she herself began to feel like there was this awakening going on in her, like something was being awakened, awakened in her, something was being stirred in here to come back to the things. Whether they be elementary principles or whether they be the things that, that we once had, to come back to those things and say, let's stir this up again. And I believe that's the message of the Lord today. Stir up again the gifts that he has put in you through the laying on of hands, through the the, um, through the anointing, through the power of God, through the word, through hearing the word by faith. Stir this thing up again because now is the day and now is the season for this. I believe purposely, purposely, the enemy put a cap on us. And we're still jumping COVID, COVID height. Now I'm saying this as a community, Okay. I've watched my wife, and I've been just as guilty as this as anybody else here, but I've watched my wife stand up here every Sunday morning. She's the only one standing up here with her hands lifted up and worshiping the Lord. It just dawned on me this morning. We've left her alone. And this morning I said, that's it. I'm not leaving my wife alone anymore. I'm coming up. And I don't know what thought it was that told us all we just need to stay in our seats and behave ourselves. That's the safe zone. But whatever that thought is, can we just take the lid off of that thing? Can we just be faith, worship, center? Worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. And it's not, about, it's not about doing stupid, crazy stuff. It's not anything about that. It's about a heart that just says, you know what? I'm coming up, Lord. I'm waking up. I'm grabbing this thing because this is all that matters to me. 
This life is useless without this. I preached a message many years ago, and I'm talking back in like the late 90s. It was a revelation that I got out of Revelation, where John hears a voice like a trumpet that says, come up here. And I remember preaching that message to, to this church. And it was, probably, it was definitely a rough draft of that message. It really was. And I remember seeing out and seeing people's face and their eyes were like, this is weird. Something wrong with the pastor. He's losing it. I remember seriously feeling that in the room. A couple people actually got up and left. It was too much for them to handle. They couldn't handle the fact that we had access to heaven even now on this earth. We have access to that place right now. Jesus said, come up here. He meant, come up here. I can't believe I just said that so simply. Jesus said, come up here, and it means come up here. Okay, so let me finish up on this. Just show up full of faith. That's faithfulness. It's not a matter of just being somewhere. It's a matter of showing up and believing that God is going to do something great today, right? It's like, you just, I woke up yesterday morning. Once again, as I told myself before, God is going to do something great today. But it's a Saturday. It doesn't matter. It's a day. And he did. He did. That's right. Healing rooms. (laughs) He showed up, didn't he? Isn't he faithful like that? You guys are are amazing. This I have two more and then and then we'll we'll wrap it up. Three signs we have attached faith to our commitments and responsibility are energy, cheerfulness, and power. This is a convicting statement, especially when you're lacking energy, cheerfulness, and power. The three signs that we have attached faith to our commitments and responsibility are energy, cheerfulness, and power. Anybody beside myself felt tired lately? Hmm? Uh, oh, wow, look at that. It, it's no wonder you guys want to just sit in your seats on Sunday morning. <laughs> and the fourth thing, declarations are a main way to attach great faith to who we are and what we do. Whew. Friday night. In the prayer night, I was laying and soaking right on that second bench right there. Oh, that's the bench you sit in every week, Sam. No wonder I was getting blasted. (laughs) Sitting there soaking, and I heard the Lord tell me this. Break up 
your fallow ground. So I got out my cell phone and I looked, I looked up the scripture. And it's from Hosea 10. Jeremiah also says it, but it's in Hosea 10. And it says, sow for yourselves righteousness. Plant in yourselves righteousness. Reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground. For it is time to seek the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness on you. Let's all stand together. <clears throat> Look, God is, God is really doing some incredible things, you guys. It's not just here, it's across the world, but I feel like there's a measure of, of, for myself. What's been going on in myself lately is I've been apologizing to God a lot. I really have. I've been, yeah, it's not a guilt thing. It's not a shame thing. It's not like, oh, I'm so stupid. I'm going, oh, you know, I, how can I be so stupid? I'm a preacher of God's word. Goodness sakes. How could I just miss this? But it's like I've been apologizing lately, just saying, you know what, God? I don't feel like I'm alone. I feel, I, I feel like, Believers, we as believers need to start apologizing to God for our lack of faith. I don't think I'm alone in this, okay? In fact, I'm not even just going to say I don't think I'm alone. I know I'm not alone. And if you guys want to make me feel alone, that I'm the only one that has to say I'm sorry to God, I'm sorry. I'm not biting it. This This is like this lid thing. And I feel like God has unscrewed the lid. And he's taking it off and he's letting us see this stuff. And he's, he's giving us an invitation. Here's the invitation. You're no longer fleas in a jar. You've been given greatness to jump higher than you could ever possibly jump on your own. So I, I'm giving this to you today so that when you leave this place and drive away from this place, you can start thinking. What are some of the things I've been, I've been believing that aren't really what God wants me to believe, aren't really what he said I could believe? What are those things? And it's not a guilt thing. It's not a shame thing. It's not like this, you know, what's the matter with you? You're so below standard. It's not any of that. It's like we all get caught in this world with the deceptions that's out there. It's like the thoughts are in the air. What You know, Jesus walked in flesh on this world and he'd walk into a room and he could read the unbelief in the room. He could, he could just read it. And he could be walking into a room and read the belief in the room. And whenever you read the belief in a room, someone was getting up. Father, in Jesus' name, I come to you right now. And I want to thank you, Lord, that confession is good for the soul. But I also want to thank you that turning into what we can believe is even better for the soul. And it's your hand. 
And it's your word that we hear that changes and transforms our life. And rather than letting doubt renew our minds, I, I want to let faith renew my mind. I want to let faith renew this soul. As a prophet once said, Lord, we have heard of your fame. We have heard of what you can do. Renew them in our day. Remember your mercy. I pray this for this house, Lord. I pray that there would just be this awakening in each of us. And I, and I even ask for those who say, I haven't been asleep, I'm awake. I would I'd ask God that you would just praise God that they're awake. But, but I would ask if you would show anything that they might be asleep too. Just we want to be fully awake here, Lord. You know, we want to be the people that are walking in what you said we can walk in. We... Before I close this prayer, I just want to share something that uh, David Costello was sharing with me just during the break. David's a great artist, incredible artist. He's, his artwork is just amazing. And he said, for years as an artist, I struggled with making white, white in my colors. He said, it's just a big struggle to me. I just could not get pure white in my colors. And then he said, one day, I was talking to the Lord about this, and he's describing, I I really want to have pure white come out in my art. And the Lord told him, surround it with dark colors. Because that's what the light is meant to do. Shine among dark. God bless you guys. Have a great day. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. If you'd like more information about our church, visit faithworship.org.